He's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Hello out there on the internet. I am Matthew Galt. This is Cyber. Cypher is rebranding. California's got new digital license plates with strange security implications. Deep faked demands to Wells Fargo. And the American military trying to ply Gen Z gamers with sweet, sweet streams. That's what today's Cyber is all about. We've got a roundup. We are playing catch up with motherboard reporter Joseph Cox. Happy New Year, JC. How are you doing? Happy New Year. I'm all good. Yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh... 2023 is, is already turning out to be a bizarre and stressful time, but I wouldn't expect anything less from this decade. I think that's just the world we live in now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, we have probably four more days and then we have to stop saying Happy New Year because we'll be two weeks into it. So just enjoy it while you can. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is the this is probably the last time I get away with it. Maybe we'll do one more this week. I can maybe do it then, but it's kind of on the line, right? Um, so somebody was talking about going on vacation, They've got one more day, and then they get to go on vacation. It's like, what world do you live wow. in? Must be nice. Yeah, Must be nice. Um, all right, let's get into this. So we're going to start and end today with stories that we've been covering for a long time. It's kind of the latest updates in long beats. Um, so Cypher, for people who may be tuning in for the first time and don't know, what is Cypher? So Cypher is an app it's sort of a company as well that is part of the encrypted phone industry. Now, you know, on one side, you'll have apps like Signal or Telegram or Breamer, Wire, Wicker. And, you know, I sort of think of those as the legitimate encrypted industry. You know, they're used by lots of members of the public, uh, journalists, human rights defenders, you know, or law enforcement, government officials, uh, the general public, right? On the other side, you have companies, which I call the encrypted phone industry, which we've covered a lot. And those will include Phantom Secure, the FBI shut down, Sky, the FBI also shut down, and the Europeans hacked, EncroChat, which the Europeans also hacked. That's where Cypher comes in. Cypher is, or rather was, the last remaining like established player in that uh, industry. And the key thing about that industry is that it heavily caters towards um, organized crime and top-tier drug traffickers. And before we say anything else, I should say, you know, Cypher or any of its representatives or any of its executives have not been charged with um, a crime uh, of any sort. Um, others have, as I said, Phantom Secure uh, and Sky and um, recently some EncroChat people as well. But Cypher has not, but it is a a player uh, in that space and a major player in that space. I have a really stupid question uh, before we kind of get into the news story. Um, why you, you just listed off all these really good options, Wicker, Wire, Signal. There's all kinds of end-to-end encrypted uh, uh, platforms why has there been this kind of surge in the last few years towards these more uh, like things like cipher? Why do criminals, why are criminals attracted to that? It doesn't ever seem yeah. to have gone well. Right. It's uh it's a very interesting 
question i think with a lot of different answers and i would say initially at the start it did go well you know these companies and these phones were genuinely hampering investigations you know over the years i've been covering this industry i've come across plenty of cases where the devices were remotely wiped or law enforcement couldn't get access to them or of course they couldn't do an ordinary wiretap because it is covered by end-to-end encryption uh i guess the first answer on why criminals go to these sorts of phones is a technical one in that some of the phone companies do make software or hardware modifications. You know, uh, sometimes they remove the GPS functionality from the device. They remove the microphone. They remove the camera. So there is a, a smaller attack surface on some of these phones, right? Uh, the next one I would probably say is something about trust or perception. You'll have a lot of organized criminals who don't think they should trust big tech you know oh blackberry is going to work with the authorities so don't just use a normal blackberry which is very much true um or apple is going to work with the cops so don't use a normal iphone which is kind of not really true because we had san bernardino where the where apple refused to open an iphone even for you know a terrorist who actually did launch an attack so it's sort of a mixed and uh sort of misconceived perception i would say there of whether they should trust big tech or not Another one is these phones cost thousands of dollars for a six or a 12 month subscription. And there can be a perception of value there. Uh, like, why would I be wanting to use like, the free app when I could like pay for this? And that must be better. Right. And there is also an element of accountability. Let's say an organized criminal is using an iPhone and then the cops somehow get their messages. The drug traffickers aren't going to go and assassinate Tim Cook <laughs> from Apple, you know what I mean, or the CEO of Google. What they can do and what does happen is threats are made to the person who sold them the phone. And often these deals are done face-to-face. They are done through uh, word-of-mouth uh, networks and communications because when you're selling these phones to organized crime, uh, organized crime gangs, they're going to know who you are if not your face, uh, if not your name, at least your face, you know? So there is a sort of transactional thing there where being like, well, you're not going to sell me a phone that's busted because I will, I will hurt you. Otherwise there is also that element as well. I think it's a very complicated mix of all of those. All right. So Cypher, uh, like you said, was one of the last ones standing is now attempting to rebrand. What are they, what's going on here? Why is this happening? Yes. Yeah. So the company that makes Cypher is called, Onyx Corp. And, you know, from the outside, uh, it looks like just another tech company. And I've spoken to multiple people who worked there and they treated it just like a normal tech company um, as well. And they just happened to make this app that some of the developers didn't realize was being sold to organized criminals as a decision that was made above them. Um, Recently, Cypher pulled out of the Australia market, where where these sort of encrypted phones are especially popular among drug traffickers. You you can make a ton of money smuggling uh, meth or amphetamine or cocaine into Australia. Uh, they pulled out of that market because of this, seemingly because of this increased law enforcement activity. And then we reported last year that Cypher was shutting down entirely. You know, I had actually had a version of the Cypher app on a phone and I watched it turn from green to red, showing that Cypher was dead. Now, Onyx Corp, the company behind that, has seemingly or is seemingly attempting a rebrand. They are launching this new app called Mode. Uh, it's in Baser, and you can sign up for it. And rather than being a sort of, I don't know, 
one-on-one private communications app is marketing itself more like a slack competitor or a microsoft teams one or a hip chat if people remember that sort of a secure uh collaboration platform for businesses for enterprises that is the pivot uh they're attempting here and the people i spoke to said that yes it is going to be geared towards um enterprise customers and it's just a very interesting uh pivot in that they are clearly trying to get away from this uh image at least that's what it looks like from from the outside you know they had this reputation of serving organized crime and now they are trying to uh shake that well it's been a rough year for last year was a rough year for all of these services right right Right. I mean, beyond the Phantom Secure, when I mentioned you have the hack of Sky, you have the hacker EncroChat, and, you know, to cap it all off, the FBI revealed in June 2021 that it was secretly running one of these major competitors called Anom, which is the ultimate cherry on the cake to be like, look, we may get your messages, we may hack into your provider, or at the end of the day, we may be the ones who are actually secretly, secretly puppet mastering the company uh, as well. And... It looks like Cypher wanted to get out of that because it's clearly a very, very dangerous place to be. If you are the CEO of one of these companies, you can easily go to prison for 10 years or more. You know, Vincent Ramos, CEO of Phantom Secure, I think he ended up with nine years uh, in the end. Yeah, the mystique of this whole thing is completely busted now, right? If <laughs> if one of the big ones ends up being like one of the biggest honeypots ever constructed by the feds, nothing is safe, right? Right, exactly. And then maybe we'll have more criminals going to other free apps as well. And that's a whole other discussion. Um, But Cypher is not going to be one of those alternatives. At least it's, you know, maybe criminals go back to it. We we really don't know yet, but that is not the image they're going for, at least based on the marketing material. Yeah, when you did tell me that it was going to be more of a Slacks or Microsoft Teams, I thought about criminals getting like really organized and you know, putting together their own little chat rooms and kind of handling everything uh, digitally. Uh, mm. It's just a, a bizarre thought to have. I don't think it'll go that way, but if it does, I'm sure you'll tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So the other one, the next one I want to talk about is researchers could track the GPS location of all of California's new digital license plates. When I first saw this headline, uh, my first thought was California has digital license plates. Can you walk us through what's going on here? Yeah, so California recently made it legal to for people to buy digital license plates. And these are little screens that attach onto, you know, the, the back or the front of your car or whatever. Yes, you can see it on the on the screen there. And it displays your your license plate, obviously, you know, the series of uh, numbers uh, and letters that you need. And there's also other stuff on there, like you can personalize it with a little message at the bottom. I think this one says Jedi Knight, in case you want to put that on your car for some reason. Right. And then there is also the ability to put it in stolen mode, which will then mean the license plate will display the word stolen. Uh, and they have GPS functionality as well, presumably to help um, with that, with, with tracking down the stolen vehicle. And I will admit, you know, that was the one sort of capability that jumped out to me. Like, oh, that could be useful where they you do have an app. And if you've put the car in parked mode, as because you've parked your car and you've walked off somewhere and then your car starts moving, it will send you an alert saying, hey, your car is off somewhere. Do you want to mark it as stolen? So there is some utility there, but you know it's still pretty narrow when you could just have a normal license plate. So what's the vulnerability here? 
Yeah, so there were a group of uh, security researchers, uh, including the person who we name in there, Sam Curry, who wrote about all of this research. And they didn't just target these license plates. They looked at tons of other uh, car manufacturers as well and found all sorts of vulnerabilities. But this one jumped out to us because it was a very clear uh, privacy issue. And obviously, we cover a lot of um, location data as well. What Curry and the other researchers found was that when they probed the app and then eventually the website, uh, which relates to these, they found that every account was given sort of a tag, such as consumer or corporate or something like that. And they eventually found a way to elevate themselves to what they call super administrative privileges, which is something like they they had the level of account that was just called Reviver, which is the name of the company that sells these plates. So they almost entered like a God mode level uh, of privilege across this company and across this data. And they could see, I mean, everything, the, the, the GPS locations of all of the plates, they could update the text on any one they wanted. They could mark any single one as stolen. There was also, I think, some customer data as well, you know, the, the physical address of people who'd signed up, that sort of thing. So really, really bad. And if this was, you know, an actual data breach rather than some responsible security researchers, this would obviously be pretty catastrophic for those users. I've got a good question from audience member, uh, not Mickey. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I know you've asked a couple questions. You'll have to reach out and tell me if I'm screwing it up. Is this materially different from GPS tracking car companies already do? I mean, on a technical level, no, it's going to be a SIM card inside the device, right? And maybe mm-hmm. you maybe you have a GPS sat-nav or something, and they, they could use GPS satellites or whatever. This is just sort of a combination of the digital license plate itself, the app, and the ability to do GPS tracking. Uh, it's, I mean, you get the same effect if you stuck an Apple AirTag on your car for whatever reason, you know what I mean? But it's sort of yeah. the, the combination of all of those technologies. That's actually the use case I was thinking of is like, how different is this than uh, somebody sticking an Apple AirTag in the car or in the well wheel, which is, you know, we've had Sam Cole on to talk about. Um, in some, like, and again, Emory Lee 2014 says this too. Some uh, insurance companies also use similar devices to track the movement of cars, depending on like the risk profile of the person that's in the car. There's a lot of different reasons why there might be a GPS tracker in your car, right? Uh, it's just that I think the difference here is, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is one that it seems like it's much easier. It, it, it's for license plates, which is new and it's something a little bit easier to get in and kind of get a, like you said, God level control over, um, God forbid someone was able to just change whatever your license plate plate reads into whatever, you know, they can put nastier things on there than Jedi Knight, Right. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of surprised, uh, you know, it wasn't completely easy. You're still going to have to have some technical knowledge, obviously, and these security researchers are going to be very experienced in what they do. But in the write-up, it did seem that they basically figured out, as I said, that each account has this title, Consumer Corporate or Reviver. From the write-up, it looks like they just changed their account privileges to Reviver, and then that was it, you know? And of course, I should say this has been fixed now. I think it was fixed pretty damn quickly after the researchers report it. But that 
it didn't sound hard once they figured out how it worked. And that was one reason why it really stood out to me beyond, you know, oh, we hear location data all the time. Yeah, but this is like they put the key under the doormat. Well, this is also, this company's not very old, right? And it's only operating in California, right? Yes. So, yeah, when I said that California has made it legal for people to buy these plates, you can only go and get them from this one company called Reviver, which clearly has some sort of deal with the the DMV, uh, you know, not only on a sort of, not only for the sake of them being able to run a business, but of course they have to uh interconnect with the dmv because they are dealing with license plates you know and that sort of thing and oh your registration has been updated or it's or it's needs to be updated or something like that so you can't just go and buy these from any random store or amazon or, or ebay whatever you have to get it through this bottleneck because there is more than just the sum of parts of some fancy gps and a screen on the back of your car there is the back end which is dealing with the dmv which you're not really going to see uh but that is what was approved in california that you can go and you can buy them from here and i should say that apparently the license plates are are legal to drive nationwide okay and you can buy them in a couple more states but it's not many you know gotcha yeah this is this is something that's pretty brand new i'd never heard of it it's interesting Same. um you know, it's really great for when, you know, you, you put bumper stickers on your car and then two years later you're a different person and you need to switch things out. So you've got a little digital read that you can do instead, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah, framing it as a as an anti cringe mechanism is pretty good, you know. You don't know you don't know if that bumper sticker you've put on is going to be really embarrassing in six months. So uh, yeah, that's fair. It usually is. It usually is. Um, right. All right. We're going to pause there for a break. Cyber listeners, if you are watching the live streams, there will be no advertisements. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after this. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right. Welcome back, cyber listeners. We are on with Joseph Cox. We are doing a roundup of his recent work, uh, kind of going through a couple different bizarre things. We were just talking about the California digital license plates that had a vulnerability, uh, a very interesting vulnerability in it. Uh, Just one more thing on that before we move on. I assume you contacted Reviver. Did Reviver Mm -hmm. have anything to say? Uh, not much beyond, you know, we responded very quickly when the security researchers reported this and we fixed it and we also put in additional safeguards, uh, as well. You know, they didn't specify what those safeguards were, but I'm going to imagine that they were probably something around authorization controls. You know, the fact that a user could change their level of access sort of on their end is pretty worrying, you know? So I imagine it was more stuff around authentication because at bottom, that's what was the issue here. You know, they they managed to authenticate themselves essentially. All right. I've got a cat. I think it's going to be a problem, but we will deal with that live as it happens. He's prowling in uh, an aggressive way now. All right, let's move on to the next story. 
Uh, deep fakes, one of my favorite subjects for, for cybers. Researcher deep fakes his voice, uses AI to demand a refund from Wells Fargo. Uh, what is going on here? Sure. So this is the people from Do Not Pay, which you may be familiar with for doing all sorts of other automation tasks. You know, they try to make it so you can automatically fight a parking ticket or some of these other very mundane tasks that take a lot of human time, a lot of human effort, and they're just very boring and laborious. And Do Not Pay tries to... um you know, help you get past that. This latest one is, well, maybe there's been some charges because you transferred money, you wired money, and you want to get those refunded. Ordinarily, you have to ring up the bank, you have to, you know, mention the specific transaction, you have to verify your identity, that sort of thing. You have to spend half your day fighting with with phone banks, right? right? Yeah, and you're going to be put on hold for God knows how long, right? So why not? just have a bot and specifically an AI powered bot do that for you. Uh, And that is what was uh, done here. You know, do not pay. They built sort of this, I would call it a proof of concept at this point. They did say that they will make it available to customers at a later date, but you know, right now it's, it's a video that they, they made showing, uh, showing the potential for this. And it's a AI voice from, um, the, the the founder of Do Not Pay, uh, Joshua Broder. I hope, I hope I pronounced that right. And basically, the bot calls up, talking to a customer representative, listens to the answers, like such as what transactions do you want to look at. Uh, the bot answers with all transactions from June or, or whatever, and then according to the video, is successful in getting those refunded. And I should say the conversation is very unnatural. There are these very long pregnant pauses where the bot is doing its thing. And in the video, you can see that, you know, calculating answer or, or, or something like that. Uh, but, you know, if the video, uh, if that's how the product will work, it seems like it could be effective. It's just thinking about how we are seeding all of these spaces to, uh, automated annoyances, right? Like, um, I don't know when the last time you answered a phone call was when, when it was one that you were not aware was immediately about to come. Right. I mean, my, the, there's bots kind of in every little bit of communication in our lives. And this is one of the, this is one of those things that you kind of had to get on the phone and like deal with. Um, it wouldn't be fun in the future if we just had robots communicating back and forth to resolve all of our problems. Um, anyway, bizarre thought that I had. So the other thing I thought was interesting here was Wells Fargo's reaction to this. As I thought it was a little strange. What exactly did they say to you? Um, so obviously I approached Wells Fargo uh, I think before publications, we do. You know, we just said they, they didn't immediately respond, which they didn't. I think it was the day after they, they eventually did. And then after some long uh, exchanges, they eventually provided this statement, um, not not explicitly saying that the video was faked or wrong in any way, but they said that they checked their recordings and this is not exactly what happened in the call. You know, for the full statement, people can... Uh, read the article, but it was along those lines. And I have obviously asked, well, can I please hear 
can you provide the copy of the recording from your side so I can compare it to the video? You know, because then we can see if the video was edited in any way. And I did ask, do not pay. Look, did you edit the video? And they said no, except um, or suggested that they just remove the account number from the beginning, which, you know, would totally make sense for a privacy from a privacy point of view. Um, and I'm still waiting from Wells Fargo. You know, I asked for the recording and or certainly update if and when we hear back. Um, but no, 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 nothing else uh, at the moment yet on that, apart from throwing some some doubt on it for, for some reason, you know, but you know, prima, prima facie, I have no reason to doubt the, the, the video's legitimacy, but of course, if Wells Fargo has more evidence, we'll always hear it out. You know, we reviewed our call recordings and the customer's call and Wells Fargo didn't happen the way it's presented in the video. It appears the customer's video recording of this call has, was edited to look like a bot was interacting with a customer service representative. And I don't understand what look like a bot interacting mm-hmm. means. You mean they made the conversation deliberately crap? <laughs> I don't understand that they added at all. Pauses, something, right? Right. I mean, that was the criticism I had of the video, so I don't really understand. But look, if they have more info, of course, we will listen to it and update uh, accordingly. I just think the statement sort of answers, uh, raises more questions. Well, and I also think it's worth noting that uh, Browder said that they had called something like a dozen times. So it's possible that Wells Fargo only pulled up one or two of the conversations and is looking at the wrong thing. You know, there's lots of there's lots of things that could be going on there, right? Yeah, and I mean, I would also say, uh, as Browder said, you know, they called up dozens of times to test the flow. Uh, I don't know this, you know, maybe I'll go back and ask, but maybe it didn't work all of those times, you know? And maybe this was just the best one that came out or something. That's that's more just speculation on my part. But yeah, hopefully some more hopefully we can get some more information on that because this sort of thing, it looks fun and, and a little bit wacky. But as you say, you know, more and more stuff is being automated. So, you know, it is actually worth paying attention to as well. Agreed. All right. This last one, uh, I'm very upset with you for because it's such a great and incredible scoop. It happened at the end of last year, but I really wanted to talk to you about it uh, on the stream. Um, And it's something very much in my wheelhouse. U.S. Army planned to pay streamers millions to reach Gen Z through Call of Duty. What? what? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this, this is definitely more your wheelhouse when it comes to the Navy and the Army streaming on Twitch. So I'll let you fill in the context on that because you'll be a lot better at it than me but basically i did a freedom of information request a long long time ago asking for documents or emails or something along those lines from the army and different parts of the army uh about call of duty you know uh a lot of us and motherboard play a lot of call of duty um and you know that game is stupid and problematic in a lot of ways of course it is and then there are other parts which are less bad but there is also this very interesting dynamic between the developers and all the publishers and the u.s armed forces you know and i think that is a very interesting dynamic that should be explored even more you know this certainly shouldn't be the first and last story on on this sort of thing but i got this slide deck you're seeing on screen now and it basically lays out the army's plan to allocate funds to pay individual high profile call of duty streamers, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, stuff about sponsoring tournaments, 
sponsoring events, all of this sort of stuff. Um, obviously, the army has done some promotional work around this. I would say this is this presentation was made before the serious allegations came out about uh, you know sexual harassment and other harassment at Activision, and then a lot of this was cancelled in in the wake of that. Right, so the. the Treat this more as a as an idea rather than something that was executed, but obviously they wanted to do it, otherwise they wouldn't have bothered to do this entire slide deck, right? Uh, but I think it shows that, yeah, just the sort of targeting that the army wants to do, especially in its massive recruitment lull, which I'm sure you can talk about a bit more, and that slide deck does not only... Is it obviously about Call of Duty? And you know, maybe, maybe you think it's obvious that oh, of course the army is going to use COD to try to target people. Yeah, but now we have a document showing it. You know what I mean? I and mean, this is from the army's own words. But also that it says they did want to target Black, Hispanic, uh, and uh, female players as well of you know a certain age bracket. And I, I think that's interesting to see. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in this that I thought was very, very, very fascinating. Um, yeah, obviously, this is something I've covered quite a bit. I've I've done a lot of reporting on the military's recruitment shortfalls and its attempts to use to get into the spaces where the young recruits are. One of those places is Twitch. Um, you know, one of the big stories that I covered the last few years was the, mili- the Pentagon's efforts to kind of get into the Twitch space and how those communities rebuffed them. Um, And, but the thing is like, they never went away. A lot of those, a lot of those uh, outfits are still streaming. The U S army esports team has, has actually been kind of doing a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff just in the last couple weeks. It has been pretty active. Um, But the, the thing is, the military is facing a recruitment shortfall and it's the American military has a recruitment shortfall and it has a recruitment shortfall for a bunch of different reasons. Um, one of them being that people, young people simply do not want to join. Um, the reasons why are complicated, better, there are better opportunities for a lot of them. But I also think that after 20 years of the global war on terror, the, the brand of the U S military in the eyes of the youth is not great. Um, and in an attempt to reach those Gen Z prospects, they've been doing things like this. The other part that I thought was really fascinating here was that, uh, the reason that the the army backed away from call of duty was specifically was because of the sexual, uh, misconduct allegations I feel like it's even too narrow just to call them sexual assault allegations because there's so many different things um, related to Activision and Blizzard, right? Um, because the 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 U.S. military and the Army specifically has a pretty big sexual assault problem itself. Um, there, and it's something that they've been working overtime to deal with. Uh, and I, th- and it's interesting to me that this would be an optics pick for them to back away from all of this in light of those allegations. It, it makes me think that they are aware of the way that the world views them and the way young people view them. Um, and I just, I don't know that that really struck me that that would be the thing that would get them to pull the plug on this. Um, I mean, I guess it's because in part 
I think the department that produced this slide deck is something of basically a marketing department for the military, for the army, right? So they're going to have more of their finger on the pulse of this sort of thing. Now, that's not to say that, you know, they're not aware of sexual misconduct in the army itself, like I'm sure they are, but they probably know. Well, there was probably, that awareness was a factor, I'm sure. Right. Because they know, because every time something like this happens or, you know, pulling in another like story, every time that um, there's culture war shit around the military, like young people pay attention to that. Um, Mm -hmm. and like if Tucker Carlson is screaming, uh, on late night TV about, or, or, you know, on TV about, uh, you know, a a Twitter fight he got into with your commander, which is a thing that has happened recently, by the way, uh, you're in the military investigates that commander instead of telling Tucker Carlson to go to hell. Like that's like, that's a pretty big signal to, the people in that age demographic you're trying to reach. Right. Um, and to have, to keep having a number of those high profile screw ups. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't think the U S military is in trouble by any means, but I think that they've got a lot of challenges facing them right now. And it's interesting to see the ways they're trying to, um, overcome those challenges. And that's one of the things I really liked about this story was getting this, like how the sausage is being made view of, um, how the military is trying to get recruits. Yeah. And I mean, as I said, there's definitely more to this. And as you suggested, you know, the esports team is still doing stuff. I think literally last week or the week before there was the Code Bowl, which I think is the Call of Duty endowment event, right? And that takes active uh, service people and combines them with high profile streamers who then go and play. And I mean, look, the, the army and the Navy, I think the Navy specifically has said that this sort of stuff is not for recruitment. Okay, well, what what is it for then? You know, I think they're just saying that on the technicality. But when you still have those events and, you know, look, if if they want to recruit that way and if people are receptive to it, you know, sure, whatever. Like, I I, I don't really care, but I do want to know the reasons behind it and publish those reasons. And that's what we get from these sorts of documents. Yeah, there's always going to be a push and pull in the public conversation that is good and we should have about how the military conducts its business and how the military uh, reaches out to the people it needs to recruit. It's like 18 is real close to being a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Like in that it is important that we understand the way the military is engaging with kids. Um, I think we need oversight of that. We need to be having these conversations when we need to be pushing back against it um, when it oversteps as it has done time and time again. Um, this is not the first, nor will it certainly be the last kind of story about, uh, military recruitment, um, especially connected to video games. This is going to, it's, they, they, the military for all the, the American military for all the mistakes it makes is not stupid. Um, and it knows where it needs to go to get the, to get its recruits. And I think that this document shows that. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, I'm going to see us out. Uh, with that uh, kind of as the final word Joseph Cox thank you so much for coming on to Cyber once again and walking us through this I'm sure there's going to be lots of wonderful scoops and other various stories this year um, if y'all are watching on the live stream thank you we, we, we love this 
We thank you. We thank you guys for coming on, and we love to interact with you here on Twitch. We're also streaming on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash motherboard TV or twitch.tv forward slash motherboard. You can follow us there and be notified when we go live or even watch the live stream later. Uh, we will be back a little bit later this week. We're going to bring somebody from uh, from outside the company. We're going to be talking about some 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 serious hacking stuff. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. We will see you a little bit later this week. Goodbye, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.